do not write as a creator school actually killed my creativity this is how i got my first client and then second and then third the biggest benefit i had leaving that job is i got my health back never start writing until you are done thinking if you have to write for someone who is not getting paid to read your content so how would you make it interesting and make them read that's the biggest mistake i see people make Welcome to the Nomad Entrepreneur Show, the only podcast where you learn actionable tips that you can apply right away on how to build and grow a one-person business while traveling the world. I'm your host Gabe Marushka, and every Thursday, solopreneurs or nomads will share their inspiring stories, and I will challenge them to build solutions to real-life problems that freelancers and nine-to-fivers are facing on the road to freedom. If you are a freelancer, aspiring nomad, or solopreneur, turn up the volume because in today's episode, I have the pleasure to host Imran Hushal, a personal brand expert that helps busy founders build meaningful personal brands. He specializes in strategic thinking, writing, and design to position his clients as thought leaders and attract their ideal audience. Before we start, make sure to subscribe to the free three newsletter at gabe.li/newsletter, where every Tuesday you'll get a two minutes read. zero fluff email on how to go from freelancing to solopreneurship running a one person business while traveling the world if you like this podcast i guarantee you love the newsletter without further ado let's jump into today's episode welcome iran thank you for having me my pleasure and as all the episodes here at the nomad solopreneur show are recorded online please let our listeners know where are you taking this call from Right now I'm in a small town uh, about 100 km from Islamabad capital of Pakistan and the place I'm living for last 3 years and I feel like I will never leave it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm taking this call from uh, Thailand from Bangkok so we are not that far away from each other but still quite a bit of distance. And I know that you used to live in um, Islamabad what made you move from there? primarily it was the covid and the second thing that actually made me move in this small town that was freelancing the ability to to work from anywhere where i have my computer and internet so in 2020 when the pandemic hit uh, i had uh, a few clients they were from the restaurant industry and the restaurants were the first one who got locked down uh, because of the pandemic and so i lost my clients and then i kind of had this thing in my mind like i had to work online and uh, it doesn't matter if i am in islamabad or i am in a small town and since i prefer living in a quieter place i decided to move in this town and uh, since then i'm living here That's quite something because uh, it's not always common to move from a big city like islamabad yeah to a smaller place. Please tell me a bit about that region we are living now because as a nomad I'm curious to learn more about new places and I know that Pakistan is extremely beautiful. Yeah. As you have amazing nature and uh, some very impressive mountains including the Himalayan range. Yeah. Okay, so Pakistan is a heaven for anyone who is like a freelancer or solo entrepreneur or a digital nomad. The weather and people and culture and then the affordability of where you have to stay the co-working for example where i'm living in this small town it's like a 
big house and all I'm paying less than $200 per month. So you can imagine like how affordable Pakistan is, especially for people who earn in dollars. The one other thing that it's the mindset shift that people are having right now. Pakistan is in top five countries that have uh, most number of freelancers. So you will see every third or fourth person pursuing freelancing, nomad, work from anywhere culture thing. So it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's one of the first steps to actually try to build a nomad community in one place. And uh, in your view, you see any type of development when it comes to the digital nomad community? And how's the internet access when it comes to moving from place to place, for example, to have good network connection on your mobile or what's the Wi-Fi speed, for example? Let's start with the co-working spaces. So in bigger cities like Islamabad, Lahore, Karachi, we have lots of co-working spaces I have been part of. So that is the plus for anyone who wants to jump into this and the internet connectivity is fairly strong i would say and widespread in bigger cities you won't have any problem in smaller towns like this town uh, even the towns have very good internet connectivity up to like 15 mbs and uh, up to like the devices they offer like up to 30 35 mbs but when you move to the mountains you would have uh, some problem during your commute so you have fairly easy access to internet and the packages are cheap like right now i'm using a package that that cost me less than five dollars a month that's impressive because uh, usually you don't get it that cheap and um, yeah that's good to know because it's basically one of the biggest challenge when you you're a nomad yeah. to find a good and stable internet connection and of course in mountains all over the world it is the same that's brilliant and can't wait to come to pakistan and explore and hopefully a big nomad community will be built there at some point and uh, going back to your story you mentioned freelancing and entrepreneurship and i follow you on linkedin for quite long time and I learned a lot from you and seeing your success and see your growth. So I'm curious where you started to jump on this journey. Well, my journey is, I would say, interesting for me in a way. I was like student politics and I never had this notion of making a career or going to office because like my affiliation was with the socialist movement and I I fully subscribe to that ideology that okay we should not have the capital and wealth the idea of making money was not on my list anywhere so so since it was not like on my list so i never thought of a, a career i want to choose and go to like work for it and pursue and so on so in 2011 i started publishing a weekly newsletter and that's how i went into journalism and i started writing for one newspaper and then the other and and so on and so forth and so since that was the mindset like so i can be a socialist and i can be a writer and i can do the politics and i i can do the journalism so i can do a lot of things so i don't have to go to a place to work so that was the thing that actually got me into this kind of living 
And then in my whole career, I had just one full-time job at a Fortune 500. And the, the way I got it, like uh, I showed them my experience with the different news channels and newspapers. So what I wrote for them, and this they said, we we are hiring you. And they hired me and I worked there for like their newsroom for uh, one and a half year in 2017 and 18. And then I thought like, okay, if they are paying me uh, X amount, I must be helping them make 3X amount. So I'm working for them eight hours and I'm making like $300, okay? So why not I work for like four hours and make $150 and do less and live more? That was something that helped me quit that job and I then, then I actually... Uh, started doing freelancing again, then copywriting and then branding and marketing. And then I had like consultancy clients. And uh, then I went on to uh, helping restaurants and local companies with their marketing and branding. And then the, the pandemic hit and I moved to this town and started on LinkedIn. And then I pivoted to uh, personal branding because that's, uh, that's fascinated me. I never stayed at one skill for longer than a year or so. So I moved on like acquiring more skills. And uh, eventually I thought like uh, what I love most is strategizing, thinking about people as brands, companies as brands and, and the possibility and what they can do. So I combined three, four skills that I had like strategizing, uh, copywriting, ghostwriting, and design. So I packaged them all and started helping people on LinkedIn and it went really well. So that's my journey. That's quite a wild journey. And yeah, it's interesting because uh, it's not that common to take this path because as society told us, like, ah, have a secure job, climb the corporate ladder and, you know, settle for that yeah. for the rest of your life but i love that you take the leap of faith and uh, jump out of that i want to to go a bit deeper into this because i want others that want to take that jump mm. from uh, nine to five to start first freelancing then uh, expanding their skill and move into solopreneurship to make them easier for them what would be your advice or what was actually your biggest challenge when you took that uh, that jump from nine to five to freelancing? Hmm. Well, actually, I don't recommend this to other people to do exactly in this way. And that's because like I had this, this ideology that helped me. I had my mind fixed to something and it was never making money. I was a political person. I, I was like into that, that kind of uh, thing the, where you get fascinated by ideas and uh, do discussions all night and discuss revolution and socialism and capitalism and making money, making a living was always uh, something secondary. And obviously, <laughs> I'm not proud of that, but that was the, the journey. And when I quit my only full-time job, I had like maybe a month saving or like two months saving. So I said to myself, like, okay, this is not for me. And I, I have to pursue something that is for me. And to answer your question, I would say 
if you have to become a freelancer or solopreneur, so we are using these uh, uh, terms interchangeably, but they all mean one thing, and that is if you don't want to work nine to five so for, for someone else. So if you work for yourself uh, as a freelancer, so my advice would be acquire a marketable skill and then learn how to sell that and then help people and build some attention around that and then become known for that and then start actually selling that skill. Uh, otherwise, it is going to be really difficult to stand out because more and more people are in the market doing the same thing that is that disrupt the demand and supply thing. So there are more suppliers and less demand. One thing that helped me as well when I made the switch to nine to five was to start a side project while working full time. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the moment that I was winning more than on my full time mm -hmm. job, I made the leap of faith and uh, quit the job because it's hard otherwise, as you mentioned, if you don't have a marketable skill, if you don't know how to sell yourself or mm -hmm. you don't are already making an income on the side. So I never advise as well to jump on this uh, journey from nine to five without having a plan in place, have, having a strategy, skills yeah. and so on. And selling, it's, in, it's a big one to know how to market yourself. And on that aspect, I want to touch upon uh, with you, how did you acquire your first clients? Uh, this is an interesting question. So I started my first blog in 2013. Before that, I wrote for different newspapers and the first big newspaper hired me based on what I have written on my personal blog. So I showed them my personal blog and then they hired me. And the second big newspaper hired me based on my experience with the first big newspaper. So that's how it continued. And this thing built over time, over years. And um, by like, I would say 2018, 2017, uh, I, I, would, I was able to sell myself to sell my skills, offer my skills to a Fortune 500 company. So, so they actually looked into everything and they said, okay, we are hiding you. And uh, I uh, got my first clients I got from uh, Fiverr. And again, the model was like, you have to pay something to the marketplace. So I left Fiverr in 2015 or 16. And then I joined that company and I got very serious about working as a freelancer after I quit that full-time job. And then I started getting clients through LinkedIn. So on LinkedIn, uh, I started uh, building my profile and uh, talking about things I wanted to be known for, copywriting, strategy, design, marketing, and branding. I don't know when, but at some point, someone uh, reached out to me and said, can you do this for me? And then I got someone from Dubai and then I got a client from US. Luckily, she is still with me after so many years. And uh, uh, yeah, so... Uh, I never outreach someone, didn't send lots of uh, cold messages on LinkedIn. I had this uh, belief that, okay, if I keep on posting content, people will see it and they would eventually uh, start asking me for help. And that's what happened. So on LinkedIn, this is how I got my first client and then 
second and then third. Yeah, that's the power of personal branding, isn't it? Because you position yourself as an expert in writing, in uh, branding and showing your skills out there, showing your uh, worth, providing value every single day. Didn't have to jump into outreaching and stuff like that. And Hmm. that's a super powerful advice for anyone that's starting. Just start posting and provide value and not random stuff. Create a strategy, have the topics that you want to be known for. And after that, you'll see that people reach out to you as they reach Imran as well. And you mentioned that you had clients from Dubai, United States. And I know from my experience, when I start working with clients outside Romania, I had no idea how to price myself, how to position my work in a way that not sounds too cheap or too expensive. Uh, How did you approach this challenge? So on LinkedIn, um, I, I started from scratch, like in 2020, I wanted to experience everything and maybe I could document it for, for other people later on. So I had my pricing, like you could say, I charged peanuts for my services when I started just to get into thing. And then I asked my clients, how do they feel about the, the value they get and the, the price they pay? And then from there, I revised my pricing once and then second time and then third time and, and then fourth time. And as the demand grew for my services. So uh, for instance, uh, if I have to write uh, a website copy for you or maybe uh, strategize your personal brand, I would charge you something that is uh, enough to motivate me uh, to get a testimonial uh, and then move on and maybe revise my pricing after some time. So that's how I started pricing. And that was obviously value-based pricing. And then I learned over time that, okay, so people in U.S., who are offering the same services are doing this and charging this. Then I had this comparison. And obviously, you when you see other people, your counterparts, your competitors, collaborators, you adjust your price according to your skill set and the demand. Indeed, when it comes to pricing yourself, you always have to judge the skills that you have the position you're at, because if you're just starting, of course, you cannot charge as much as someone that is three, four years of experience. Yeah. And even that you probably provide similar value, but it's hard to see yourself there. And um, the way you scale up the ladder and start to analyze the market and start to price yourself according to the value you provide, according to the market. And when it comes to negotiating those rates with the clients, because a problem that I face and probably others are facing too, was like, Mm -hmm. why you charge this much? Because you live in Romania. Early on, I faced this problem because uh, what I thought was painters still was significant for some of the people. And and I learned this uh, in, in my experience that no matter what you charge, even you charge like $5 for something, there would be people who would see it as too much. <laughs> why are you charging $5? You are in Pakistan. Why are you charging $5? So I faced this thing early on, but as I started building, sharing things that I could actually refer to, show some numbers, show some results I got for my clients, that objection reduced. And I can count on my fingers that in last six months, I had one client who said, you are charging too much. 
So I believe like when you are selling a service to people who can't afford you, they would say this. And as you move on, you get experienced. And when you attract the right buyer, when you attract the right audience, uh, you would hear this less and less. But early on, you would hear it a lot. The other guy is doing this for like half of the price or maybe for $5. But when you attract the right buyer, number of objection would drop. Powerful lesson there because when you're just starting out and pressing yourself that low, usually the people that approach you are those that you actually don't want to work with. And I would say that even if you're just starting out, probably you're coming from a nine to five and you have already experienced, let's say in copywriting, maybe yeah. the best place to be is not start very, very low with your pricing and actually charge your experience, your worth and value-based pricing. And that way you avoid this type of challenges. We talk a lot about challenges of uh, being a freelancer, of becoming a solopreneur. I want to touch upon uh, the benefits. You mentioned a few of them, like just working from anywhere, basically, where you have an internet connection and actually be able to work with clients from all over the world. But what other benefits uh, you notice and uh, help you? For me, my health improved a lot. Like when I was doing uh, this nine to five uh, for this big company, I was doing the night shift since they were like working US time and my health deteriorated to alarming extent. And the biggest benefit I had leaving that job is I got my health back and it improved a lot. This is something that no job could give you. I think it was partly because of the stress, time management, not having enough sleep, doing more work than you could do, the workload, stress, anxiety, travel, commute. So, so there were like so many things that, that were going on when you do a typical nine to five. You have family you cannot give time to, you have kids you cannot play with, you have friends who always like, I think this thing makes you anxious and gives you stress and, and that destroys your health. And if you have your health, you have everything. So you can make money, you can go places, you can do whatever you want. So I think freelancing is not only helpful in making money, it's uh, helpful in keeping you healthier because you can choose a schedule that fits you. So that is the biggest benefit I had. But if I could just talk about the other benefits, I would say when you start living a certain kind of life, you kind of take for granted and often do not notice privileges or benefits you have. For instance, right now I am talking to you and that is a kind of freedom. I'm talking to you. I'm doing something that is building my reputation, my network, my personal brand. And that is another big benefit you could have while working on your own thing. While working as a freelancer, you could work on your personal brand and that makes you happy as well as it is an asset. You can take your personal brand to any big company, any employee, any client and tell them like you did this for yourself. You can do the same for them. That's how I got my first client. True. And I love that you touch upon on the health part because that was huge and 
not a lot of people are seeing this. Not a lot of people are understanding that is the only thing that matters. And all those things that come with that, the freedom of working on what you want, as you mentioned, the personal brand that you build, it's so powerful nowadays. People work with people. And if you have a personal brand, that's that's your face there. It's your personality. It's your uniqueness. That's why even big companies have the face of a person behind them. Look at Tesla. They have Elon mm. Musk. Uh, Apple used to have uh, Steve Jobs, now uh, Tim Cook. And all these big names has this huge personality behind them, this huge personal brand. Thanks yeah. to them, they grow. And since you are speaking of personal brand and here at the Nomad Solopreneur Show, we are all about providing value and we have a tradition that every guest that you have goes through a challenge that they don't know beforehand. And since you're an expert in uh, personal branding, I want to challenge you to come up with a strategy on spot to help them build their personal brand on LinkedIn because you have over 30,000 followers. That's huge. And I want to be even more specific. Like imagine that you're a freelancer that is really good at his skill set, but has no idea how to start building that personal brand. What will mm. be the strategy? What will be the steps they need to take in order to start building their personal brand on LinkedIn and see results? So let me answer this in this way. If I had to start over from zero and build something on LinkedIn, I would say first I would sit down and think about the things I want to be known for. And that's the biggest mistake I see people make. They want to be known for a lot of things. Like I wanted to be known for copywriting, marketing, email marketing. You see the part on LinkedIn where it, it asks you like mention your skills and you can mention up to 50 skills. People want to known for 50 skills and you cannot actually become an expert in, in 50 th things and, and expect people to remember you for those 50 things. The first thing I would do is less is more. And I would pick one thing that I want to be known for. And maybe that is copywriting or maybe strategy or maybe design. And uh, in design, I would go deeper. Like I designed, let's say, carousel. If I had to like start over, I would say, I'm the guy who designs carousels. That's it. Nothing else. Like, like I won't promote anything else. So I want people to know me as carousel guy. Okay. And, and, and then build on that. And once people know me for that, I could actually add a couple of other things to design. Like now I design banners as well. Let, let's say, or maybe I design, uh, uh, presentations or websites or, or other design things but to begin with and known for make enough people see you as an expert in one thing and that they are connected to you and once they are connected to you you can offer them anything that is beyond that one thing for instance like i do personal branding on linkedin okay and I have the founders and CEOs who come for their personal branding to me. And then they said like, okay, so you are doing my personal branding and the other party or other company or my internal team, they are uh, taking care of uh, our company brand and there is a disconnect. And I want you to take care of that as well. How cool is that? Like they are bringing you 
something that you don't want to be known for. And they are asking you to maybe take it out their website as well, uh, write, copy, design something else. So become known for one thing. And once people trust you for that thing, know you for that thing and buy your services, uh, then you can actually sell anything under the sun and work on your backstory, like why you do what you do. So work on that thing and uh, do not actually be like everyone else. Being like everyone else is boring. So do not be boring and share your opinions. Say whatever you believe. That is something that shows who you are really. And that is the power of your personality. Do not censor your opinion. A more solid opinion you would have, people would remember you for that. And if you have like that vanilla opinion, we should not harm others and we should follow ethics and green business. These are like the 99% stuff on LinkedIn is that. But people who really stand out are the ones who challenge the status quo, who challenge the myths, who challenge the norms and present you with what they believe and the alternative perspective. To make it a complete package, define what you want to known for and share your story and share your opinion and share your expertise. Why someone would prefer working with you instead of other people, your skills, your opinion, your story. So these all things would make you someone people would remember and and like to work with. And if you you can do 50% of that, you are already on building something big. Yeah, that's nice because you are all unique, right? To mention that it's so powerful to put your opinion out there. And funny thing that yesterday I actually posted a comparison between uh, this naming, freelancing, solopreneur, and entrepreneurship. But they, in my opinion, they have different challenges, different approaches, different... And of course, started a bit of controversy. Some people say that they do not agree with uh, my definition of freelancing, which wasn't a definition. It was just based on my experience. And I love it that people started to say their opinion. They say uh, if they don't agree, if they agree. And that's the beauty of it. Stand for what you believe in. Because if you just imitate everyone else, you won't stand out, as you very well mentioned. And that's not personal branding. That's some is just copying other opinions, yeah. copying other personalities. Then you are like everyone else. Like just pause for a second and think about people who agree with you. And you won't be able to see a lot of faces. But think about people who strongly disagree with you. And you would have some faces pop up in your head like, okay, there is this guy who disagree with me and do not disagree for the sake of disagree. Like that's another thing I see a lot on LinkedIn. Just people do this just to stand out. Or, but if you genuinely believe, like I share something with you, I am doing PhD and I'm not proud of it. And believe me, I'm not proud of it. And at, at points I think about quitting it. And for my son, I would never, ever prefer sending him to school like because school actually killed my creativity. I wasted a lot of time doing MPhil, doing PhD, doing this, these kind of things. And partly because I was into politics and then I was into journalism and then I was into this intellectual fantasy. You actually enjoy talking, 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 and you don't work. 
So if I didn't go that road, I might have started building things earlier. If I could rewind and go back to my 20s, I would never go to college or university because I don't see it has added any value to my life or it has benefited anyone else in my circle. It's just a waste of time and money. The education system is like broken. If I think that education system is broken, I should say it out loud. Since I believe this, as a, as a matter of fact, I would never send my son to school. I would homeschool. I would tell him the things I wished I had known earlier and have done those things instead of doing these stupid things. I love that you stand for what you believe in. And yeah, that's, that's personal branding, dear listeners, because if you don't stand for what you believe in, you don't stand for yourself. Who has the biggest influence when you start learning by yourself? You have one person you look up to or one uh, coach or one uh, course that you take? I would say I learned a lot from uh, Chris Doe when it comes to positioning and pricing, packaging, selling, negotiation. So I learned a lot from Christo. And there are other people in uh, in copywriting domain and uh, strategy and uh, personal branding as well. But I would say if you are 7 out of 10 in copywriting, but you are 7 out of 10 in selling that copywriting, you would do great. But if you are 10 out of 10 in copywriting and 3 out of 10 in selling that skill, you won't do good. So I would say Christo had a great impact on the way I position myself, price myself, negotiate. What is one tool that you use every single day? Of course, apart from LinkedIn, because I know that you're every day on LinkedIn, but apart from LinkedIn, what's that tool that you cannot live without in your business? Google Talks. That is something I use every day since I'm a writer. So I write a lot. And in terms of um, what really helps me, I cannot live out, live without is email. <laughs> so I use email. <laughs> I have vibe to so many newsletters. And you see, when you are a designer, you see everything that is out there from a different eye. You don't see the, the whole thing as a normal person. You see the color, grading, shadows, uh, lighting, and typography and everything. And when you are a writer and you have like tons of emails coming to you every day and from best of the best, like you can get emails from Tesla, from Apple, from anyone. And you see them as a writer. You see how they have opened their email, how they have written that part, how they actually moved with the argument, how they, uh, they introduced the CTA. So, so how that one piece of communication fits in their brand strategy so what tone what messaging they are so i would say email is something that i cannot live out uh, live without it's beautiful and i never heard that approach when it comes to learning what other tips you will love to share with uh, our audience that it will help them improve their copywriting and their brand messaging I would say if you really want to improve your messaging, first you have to think what you want to convey because there is an approach and I talked about it on LinkedIn and it got some negative thoughts, comments as well. But I am a firm believer of never start writing until you are done thinking. 
first think and then write. That's what we are trained to do as a journalist, as a reporters. So you see a journalist, a reporter does not think and write. They see an event and they just report it. And when they do that, they do it with with accuracy. So when you use writing as a thinking, you write to think, you actually write it for yourself. And when you write it for yourself, people do not value it. In our schools, we are taught to write persuasive. We are taught to write interesting. We are taught to write according to grammar rules and so, so many things. But we are never taught to write valuable content. Our teachers mark our writing because they are getting paid for that. If you have to write for someone who is not getting paid to read your content, so how would you make it interesting and make them read? There's only one way and make it valuable for them. One, when you make it valuable for your uh, audience, they would automatically read it. Otherwise, there is no way you could make it interesting for your audience. So you want to improve your messaging. You have to think before you write and think about what message you want to convey. And you are clear about, I want this, I want this, I want this. And then actually start crafting your message. Today, my purpose was to introduce myself to, to people on LinkedIn. And I had the the goal first and uh, thinking first, and I wrote a letter. So that is an excellent approach. At least it works. It works wonderfully for me. I often say, do not write as a creator. Do not write as an artist. Write as a business. So you see, the artists are people who usually do what they love to express how they see things, how they see world how they see beauty, God, nature, everything around them. And they paint it, they compose music. And and that is not for public consumption. Yes, what they design, what they draw, what they paint is valuable at some point, even their poetry and, and people sell it for millions of dollars. But they usually die hungry artists because they do it for their passion, for their love. And businesses arise for their audience for their consumers so writing is a product when you write as a business you get results when you write as a artist sometimes you get results other times you don't but that's a differentiation i like to make and i i think as a business when i write content on linkedin yeah, that's the thing with artists, but we cannot hide this, right? All of us having this artistic approach to things, and but we can do that for ourselves. And I want to ask you something on this uh, topic. What's that one thing that not everyone knows about you when it comes to your artistic side? What you build or... So I was a poet. I wrote a book. It's still on Amazon or somewhere. I wrote a lot of poetry. My blog was about poetry. My first website, imranhushal.com, it was all about poetry. My second website, imranhushal.com, was all about journalism and speaking gigs and, 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 and that. And then my third website is about what I am right now. That's quite a journey. And yeah, I love that because not... Everyone can say that they write a poetry book. That That's beautiful. And uh, that's the thing. We can show up their our artistic skill, but in totally different circumstances. And before going uh, on to the last challenge of the call, in which you have to build that challenge, please tell us where our listener can find you online and how can I approach you if they want to work with you. 
uh, I'm on LinkedIn and anyone can just send me a connection request or send me a message and I'd be happy to help. Nice. Everyone that's listening, I'll put in the show notes the links to Imran LinkedIn profile and some other surprises for you because he has some amazing products like a LinkedIn guide, a carousel guide and a cool newsletter. Super helpful. And now jumping to the challenge, I want to to create a challenge for our listeners that they'll be able to achieve in one day in order to be able to improve their writing especially mm-hmm. for those that are just starting out and their writing, writing skills and storytelling skills are not at that level, what they can do in one day to be able to improve that? I know it's kind of tight deadline, but what will be advice? So there are a couple of things they can do. They can write as they speak. A good way to do that, grab an app that transcribes your audio to text and speak to the app and see how your text looked like. So how you speak and then have that text as base point and start copying that in mimicking and producing content like that. And you cannot write when you don't know who will read it. If you could do one thing, and that is never start writing until you know who is going to read this. So have your primary target audience, have your secondary target audience, have your reader in mind. If you could do that, you can improve your writing. The challenge could be write a message to me or Gabriel or anyone else in your connection on LinkedIn or in live and see the difference in that message and in a LinkedIn post you write or something else you have written earlier. And you would be amazed that uh, how different the two pieces of writing are because the one is you had the reader in mind and you wrote according to what appeals to them unconsciously and the other piece of content you wrote it for everyone else that's something this approach of writing to a single person it's so powerful you're not generalizing you know exactly who you're writing to and uh, yeah that's a good challenge so for anyone listening it's doable in one day and just take your favorite speech to text app and there are some out there like this script or author i will share the links into show notes and Mm -hmm. take that app speak to it as uh, imran mentioned and see how your writing improve and looking forward to hear how that worked and Please tag us on LinkedIn to see our post to support you. I feel like anyone that is applying this challenge, they will see a lot of improvement in their writing. This was a wonderful discussion and filled with so many tips, so many actionable advice that you share. Thank you so much for this and um, looking forward to continue this chat some other time and uh, really looking forward to see your continuous grow LinkedIn and see your journey. Thank you so much for joining and thank you so much for taking the time to to share all your knowledge here with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to check the show notes where you'll find direct links to the tools and resources mentioned in this episode and much more. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcast station to not miss when we drop the next one. We have lots of exciting guests and surprises for you coming up. This is your host, Gabe Marushka with the Nomad Solopreneur Show. Until next week, Pura Vida! Pura Vida!